12 years ago when uh, Trish and I were really stupid, or stupider, is that, a, is that a word? Stupider. We decided, no, that's not right. Trish decided, I did. Oh, there she is. Yeah, oops. Trish decided that the two of us would take a large inner tube, find a steep, snow-covered hill, and go down it at a high rate of speed just for the fun of it. So we drove up past Carson and went back into some hill country looking for the perfect spot. And unfortunately, we found it. It was a long and very steep, very steep hill covered in deep snow. And thank God there was no one around to watch us. We climbed up the hill to the top. And then like a golfer on a putting green, I took a lay of the land, taking notice of of every little feature and, and nuance just to make sure our joyride didn't turn into a bone-breaking disaster. Now, as I analyzed the hill, because I'm professional, as I analyzed the hill, I noticed that there was a nasty-looking ramp about halfway down, which was apparently created by a large fallen log that was covered in snow. I knew that if we hit that ramp, we would be hurled high into the air and God only knows what would have happened to us. So, I charted our course planning to avoid that ramp at all costs. That was the plan. It was a good plan. It was a sensible plan. What could go wrong? At the very top, teetering on the edge... I laid down in the large inner tube, and then Trish laid down on top of me. And I pushed off. As you may or may not know, an inner tube has a life of its own, it was uncontrollable. And our plans to avoid that ramp 
was all for naught. We were headed right for it. I tried to bail, but Tricia was on top of me. And so we hit that ramp at full speed, causing Trish and I to separate in midair from each other and also separate from the inner tube. I don't know what happened to Trish because I landed flat on my back much further down the hill. But I had a scary moment when as I was lying there trying to catch the breath that was knocked out of me, her snow boots came down the hill without her. True story. She had apparently hit so hard it shot the boots off her feet. We both just laid there on our backs in the snow. Just talking to each other where we landed. Didn't even look at each other. We were just talking. Just taking stock of our bodily functions to make sure they all worked. That was the first and last time we went down that hill. You know, Trish and I will always remember that experience. It wasn't funny back then. It could have ended in a very painful, painful disaster. But looking back on it now, it really is good for a couple of laughs. It is funny. There's a saying that goes like this. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. I do think that God has a sense of humor. And I also think he is in the habit of changing our plans to his plants. Last week, <clears throat> we looked at two people named Zacharias and Elizabeth. Remember that? Zacharias and Elizabeth. If you recall, Zacharias was in the temple performing his priestly task of burning incense. A once in a lifetime opportunity for a priest. And while he is alone in the temple, poof, he gets a visit from the angel Gabriel. And bear in mind that up until this point, heaven had been silent for 400 years. So this surely was an unexpected surprise for Zacharias. Anyway, Zacharias gets a baby announcement 
from Gabriel that in his ripe old age, maybe in his 80s, maybe in his 90s, he is going to be a dad for the very first time. His wife Elizabeth, who had been barren all of her life, is going to bear a son, and his name will be John, whom we call John the Baptist. No doubt, this was great news for this elderly couple, especially Elizabeth, who goes so far as to say, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when He looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. As I explained last week, in the Jewish culture, Elizabeth had endured disgrace due to her inability to have children. And now, after much disappointment, she feels favored by God in her old age. The truth was, and don't miss this, the truth was, even when she was barren, Elizabeth was in God's favor. She just confused God's favor with God's timing. She confused God's favor with God's timing, and that is an easy mistake for us to make as well. Don't assume that God has abandoned you. Don't assume that God does not care. Don't assume you have fallen out of God's grace and God's favor because God's plans and His timing are not in sync with your plans and your timing. Don't make that mistake. As Christians, only by the grace of God, we are in His favor no matter what He chooses to do or not to do on our behalf. Don't miss that. Well, if you remember the rest of the story, after this birth announcement from the angel Gabriel... Zacharias wanted a sign because it all seemed too good to be true. He didn't believe it. Having a baby was not a part of any plans they had made for themselves. So as a sign, because of his lack of faith, Zacharias loses his ability to speak until John was born. For nine months, he's mute. Now as we continue with the story, Elizabeth withdraws from the public. 
she's in her sixth month of pregnancy. But the angel Gabriel is not done making baby announcements. And yet again, he reveals another one of God's plans to an individual who I imagine had completely different plans. So if you have your Bible, I see it's already on the screen, turn to Luke chapter 1, and we will jump down to verse 26. Luke 1, beginning with verse 26. Can you see it behind me? Good, okay. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, God took the next step in His plan of redemption and salvation, and He sent the angel Gabriel from heaven, not to Jerusalem, but to the village of Nazareth to deliver another birth announcement. Nazareth was a farming village in the backwoods region of Galilee, well off the beaten path. This village was insignificant to the Jews, Nothing good could come out of Nazareth as far as they were concerned. And yet, according to God's plan, Gabriel was sent specifically to this place to speak to a young virgin named Mary. Now Mary was an ordinary girl who at this time was likely a young teenager somewhere around the age of 14. Okay, 14. She's a normal girl. And just like any normal girl, I imagine Mary probably grew up having the same plans other girls had in that culture. Plans of marriage, of having a home, and of raising a family, just like her mother did and her grandmother before her. And Mary was already going in that direction as she's engaged or betrothed to a man named Joseph, a righteous man, a carpenter in the family line of King David. 
Mary is betrothed. Meaning, she's in the second phase of the process leading to marriage with Joseph. In those days, it was the custom of the parents, of the parents, to find a suitable match for their children. And once a match was made, the couple and their families would take time to become acquainted. And if everything worked out between them, the two families would then enter into a formal contract. A dowry would be negotiated. And the couple would be pledged to each other in a formal ceremony, usually in the synagogue. It's at this point they are engaged or betrothed. And it's legally binding. As if they are husband and wife. They have become a husband and wife at that point. However, they cannot live together as husband and wife, nor have any sexual relationships with one another as husband and wife until the betrothal period is completed on their wedding day, which tended to be one year later. Okay? So for all practical purposes, Mary seems to have a good plan. A sensible plan. A plan that's already in motion. Already in motion. A plan that she could fully expect would come to pass. It seems that Mary has it all figured out. But as I said earlier, if you want to make God laugh, just tell Him your plans. So let's see what happens next as we continue with verse 28. And coming in, he, referring to Gabriel, said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary is apparently alone in her parents' home. And just like Zacharias in the temple, poof! The angel Gabriel shows up. And he greets Mary by calling her favored one. Favored one. That word favored implies that Mary has received God's undeserved grace in a special way. In other words... 
Mary is not favored by God because of something she has done. She's not favored by God because of where she is from, or because of her age, or because she has passed some religious test. Rather, God has graciously singled Mary out because He wanted to. Because He wanted to. His favor rests upon her and He has chosen her for use in His plan. Gabriel tells Mary, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Which was often said in the Old Testament to individuals who were called by God for a special task. For example, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, God told Moses He would be with him when he was given the mission to bring the people out of Egypt. In Joshua 1.9, God told Joshua He was with him before entering the promised land. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, Gideon is told by an angel that the Lord was with him when, before he led 300 men into battle against 135,000 enemies of God. Mary is no different, and neither are we. The words, the Lord is with you, are words we always need to remember, especially, oh listen, especially when God is in the process of changing our plans to His plans. The Lord is with you. Well, understandably, this unexpected visit by the angel Gabriel and his choice of words was startling to Mary. And in verses 29 through 30, here we go, 20 to 30, we read, But she, referring to Mary, was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. So this young teenage girl isn't sure what to make of the angel's words. Mary doesn't know while she's being greeted so honorably. Gabriel understands this. And so he repeats His reassuring and comforting words to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then Gabriel, who is apparently the angel of birth announcements, shares another one with Mary. And as I read this, pay special attention to the certainty of His words. Can you all read that? 
Barely? Okay. Okay. Well, just listen if you can't read. Beginning with verse 31, Gabriel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father, David. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And His kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative... Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So, Mary, congratulations. You're going to be a mother. Your baby will be a boy. And you will name him Jesus. And oh, by the way, just so you know, because you probably need to know this, he's the Son of God. The long-awaited Messiah you and your people have been hoping for. He's the king. Not a king, but the king. The king of kings who will ultimately rule forever. Oh yeah, one more thing. Elizabeth is having a baby too. And she has a six month head start on you. That's some birth announcement. And if you notice, the focus on this announcement is not on Mary. It's on Jesus, where it should be. Well, Mary is trying to take all of this in. And no doubt, this incredible news is overwhelming for her. Mary believes Gabriel, and she's willing to do her part, but she's confused. So she asks a question. How can this be since I am a virgin? Good question. And the answer... Well, let me back up here. Some have wondered why Zacharias was left mute 
for nine months when he asked Gabriel for a sign after receiving his birth announcement about John, but Mary receives no consequences for asking her question. That is a good question. But the answer is really easy. Zacharias lacked faith and, and wanted a sign to determine if, if, if what Gabriel said was true. Mary, on the other hand, accepted what Gabriel said to be true, but in her confusion, she simply needed clarification as to how it would happen. Her question is about the how, not about the if. Do you see the difference? Mary believes, but she's confused about the biology. She's confused about the biology. So Gabriel explains by telling her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I read an interesting comment by Warren Worsby. I like this guy. About this passage. And he said that word overshadowed is applied to the Holy and powerful presence of God in the Holy of Holies behind the curtain in the temple. And so by using that word here, in essence, Mary's womb becomes a Holy of Holies of sort for the presence of the Son of God. Interesting. That's a gracious honor bestowed upon Mary. And in regards to the virgin birth, I know there are those who doubt it. Even some who profess to be Christians are unable to accept the idea of the virgin birth. But keep in mind that Luke, who is an educated and trained physician, is telling us this. It's coming from Luke. And secondly, and more importantly, if you believe, hear me, if you believe the virgin birth is impossible, then what does that say about your view of God? That's a bigger question, isn't it? If your God can't do the impossible, then, for example, the whole matter of creation 
becomes a major stumbling block for you. Miracles are no longer miracles. They're just unexplained natural phenomena. Jesus was just a man who died on a cross just like any other man. There is no resurrection. And God is no longer big enough to save you and help you. That's what it boils down to. So I have no difficulty whatsoever in accepting the virgin birth of Jesus. For God, the impossible is possible. And the Bible is very clear that Mary was a virgin who would give birth to Jesus who is the Son of God. Now, shifting to the matter of God's plans. When Gabriel makes this birth announcement to Mary, I am sure Mary had a pretty good idea that her life would not continue as she had planned. Her plan although a good one, was not even remotely close to the plan that God had for her. A plan that would include many difficulties and painful sorrows. Mary is going to become pregnant which would be very hard for this virgin girl to explain to others. Think about it. Who's going to believe her story? Put yourself back then and there. You can be her parents. Are you going to believe her story? (laughs) No, no. Ironically, pregnancy would remove the disgrace that Elizabeth had experienced all of her life. And pregnancy, this pregnancy, would bring disgrace upon Mary. Gone was her reputation. Gone. And then she has to wonder, what's Joseph going to think? Her betrothed. What's he going to do? Is he going to blow his top? Is he going to shame her in public? He could have had her whipped. He could have had her stoned to death. And by law, 
he would be permitted to throw the first stone. Now, not as harsh. Joseph could have kicked her to the curb. Divorced her. Divorced her. And he was even considering that. If an angel hadn't set the record straight for him in a dream. We know King Herod becomes jealous over the reported birth of the Messiah and slaughters all boys two years old and under in an attempt to kill her son, Jesus. Joseph and Mary had to flee some 200 miles away into Egypt, only to return later after King Herod had died. Mary would become a widow. She would become a widow. We know this because on the cross, Jesus asked His disciple, John, to take care of His mother. We don't know when she became a widow, But the last time we hear about Joseph was when Jesus was 12. That's the last time we hear about Joseph. And lastly, and lastly, Mary was there when Jesus died. Mary watched her son be wrongfully accused, publicly humiliated, literally beaten to a pulp, and horribly crucified. Mary personally witnessed this, and she could do absolutely nothing to help her boy. Mary did not know that any of this was in store for her. She was not given any of the details of God's plan by Gabriel. No details. But she did know this. She was favored by God and the Lord was with her. During this Christmas season as followers of Jesus Christ we are reminded that we too are favored by God, and the Lord is with us. We know this 
Because God sent His Son into the world and would later pay the ultimate price to prove just how much He loved us. And He loves us so much, He would never abandon us. We also know that God has His own plans. And sometimes, His plans collide with our plans. We're told in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Does this mean we're not supposed to make plans? No. No. We should make plans. But with that said, we need to be willing to adjust our plans and even be willing to abandon our plans as God reveals His own plans for our life. Uh Uh-oh. So how did Mary respond to the announcement from Gabriel? This 14-year-old girl Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. After hearing everything the angel had to say, it seems that Mary took a deep breath, took a deep breath and said, I am a bond slave of the Lord. In using those words, bond slave, she was expressing her complete trust and total submission to the will of God. She surrendered her plans, the plans she had for her life, and accepted the plans that God had for her. May it be done according to Your will, O Lord. Great words to live by from this 14-year-old teenage girl. If you want to make God laugh, just tell Him your plans. God has this habit of changing our plans to suit His plans. And maybe you have been handed something that you did not expect and did not want. 
It was not part of your plans. And you are trying to understand it all. But regardless of what you are facing, regardless of what you are experiencing, like Mary, trust that you are favored by God and that He is with you. And determine in your heart that you will seek God's will and trust that He has a much greater and more rewarding plan for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this time in Your Word. I thank You that You have a plan for us. And sometimes our plans collide with Yours. Father, create in us a heart where we are willing to trust Your plans and surrender our plans to Yours. Give us a heart to seek You and to follow You and to trust You in all things. Father, may You be honored and glorified in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I was thinking about these plans that, that God had for Mary. Were they good plans? Were they good plans? They were great plans, right? Great plans. I would agree with that. They're great plans. But these great plans that God had for her, listen to this. These great plans that God had for her included hardship and anguish and loss. Right? These were, these were God's great plans. I think there are times that some of us get in the head, get in our head that if we're following God, we're not going to have problems. If I'm following God, I'm not going to have challenges and difficulties and anguish. I'm not going to experience any of that. And we see in the life of Mary who we will learn next week is called Blessed Among Women. That that was all part of her life. God had a great plan for her. A great plan. 
a great plan for us. The bottom line is this. No matter what we are experiencing, no matter what we are experiencing, we are favored by God and He is with us. No matter what. No matter what. I'm the first to admit as your pastor, when things don't go right, and sometimes they don't, I get so focused on the problem, I get so focused on my circumstances, that I take my eyes off the one I should be looking to. And I need to be reminded, no matter what I'm experiencing down here, I am favored by God, by His grace. By His grace, I am favored and you are favored. And the Lord has not abandoned me. He is with me. Do you know that? I hope you do. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh man, He loves you more than you ever know. More than you could ever know. And I would love to share you, share Him with you, excuse me. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Someplace you can worship and call home. Or maybe you just need some prayer this morning. You're neck deep in stuff and you need some prayer. I would love to pray with you. However the Lord moves you this morning, just respond to Him. That's all I'm asking. Just respond to Him. Maybe it's in your own, maybe it's in your seat. But just respond to Him. Larry? Larry?